This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Hello and welcome to Disaster Girls, a podcast about disaster movies. I'm your host, Amanda, and with me today, we have a return guest coming back as jokingly promised when we first said this, we didn't think there was going to be a The Meg 2. Um, but there has been. So please, welcome back, Jada Elcock. Hi, I'm so excited to be Hi. here. <laughs> you know, what? like I, when we did this several years, uh, several years back sitting, it was, you know, mid COVID and we really didn't think there was going to be a The Meg 2 and jokingly we're like, hey, yeah, you'll come back. For, uh, you should be in The Meg 2. They didn't cast you, which is a bummer, but I forgot about that. I was like, yeah, no, I forgot that I was like, if this movie happens, I need to be in it. Oh, I mean, well. you absolutely would fit in this movie, though. Yeah. Like there is it was a joke when when it, when you said it, because the tone of the Meg one, you would not have fit in that cast. But the Meg two pivoted. The Meg two pivoted and became so much more chaotic. And I am the yeah. essence of chaos. And I would have fit in this movie. However, uh, we can get into this more later, but I this movie was ridiculous there's literally no scientific accuracy we're all aware of this but i that i would have struggled a little bit to be like i'm part of a movie that's so inaccurate (laughs) part of a movie that's just like so goofy and ridiculous so you know yeah i i don't know what you're talking about everything with the science of this film made perfect sense um why couldn't you have several dozen megs living in a very small area with limited ecosystem what are they eating there's nothing else down there what are they eating i don't understand they were eating um parts of submersibles apparently because they will go after anything yeah that's i got like i don't know (laughs) because they okay like shorthand premise this one guys it's been years the meg is and we have a captured a meg in captivity it does not pay off. It pays off slightly later, but that's beside the point. And Jonas um, is now an eco-warrior backslash working for this The Meg facility. And they are diving, taking routine dives down through the thermocline to the special magic area and seeing all of the Megs to study all of the ecosystem. But then the Megs break loose. So when going in, did you had you watched the had did you rewatch the original Meg? I didn't. And then I realized I should have because right? I walked, I went into it and then I don't know if you cut this part out, but spoiler alert, there was a funeral. Um and I was like, I forgot she died in the first one. I was like, I probably should have watched the first one. However, yeah. then I went through the rest of it and I was like, none of this ties to the first. It doesn't matter. None of this made any sense. It had nothing to do with anything. Yeah, so my screening, the 3D wasn't aligned properly. So I watched the opening with that amazing little sequence, the prehistoric, inaccurate prehistoric planet, twice. But I didn't see any... The only part of it where I was like, oh, she's dead now, it was the moment when they had the, like, fundraiser, fancy fundraiser that they showed off the Meg. Was there That's what it was. No, it wasn't. Oh, okay. I was going to be like... I just remember it was some sort of... They had her, like, photo, and they were, like, remembering her. I guess, yeah, it would have been the fundraiser to be like, look, we're keeping this thing in captivity now. And I'm like, no, no. No, let's not keep the shark in captivity. That seems bad. We haven't even been able to successfully keep white sharks in captivity for like extended periods of time. And now they're just like, yeah, we have a megalodon in captivity for like the last 15 years. And I'm like, no. 
<laughs> simply wrong. We have a megalodon in captivity that we've had for the last 15 years that I've managed to train with a clicker. And now we have a special bond and I, she uh... won't eat me. I was like, sir, I hope you get your ass destroyed by this <laughs> shark. Okay. I was about to say it a different way. And I was like, I need to rephrase. I cannot say <laughs> what I was about to say. Um, I'm like, you can't, no, you don't have a bond with this shark. I understand. Like, I'm not saying that animals are unintelligent. I'm definitely not saying that sharks are unintelligent. They're very intelligent creatures. Right. But wild animals are wild animals. And a megalodon? You're not befriending a megalodon. And also, like, there's certain animals that are trainable because of behavioral traits within them that make them trainable. Right. So not not sharks. Well, so yes and no. Um, I think, so I have helped to target train elasmobranchs in the past. Um, and okay. so I have worked with target trained sharks and rays. Um, and it's really cool. Like, basically, it just makes feeding easier. You put a target in the water um, and they're like, oh, I recognize that shape and color. And I'm going to go over to it because that's my shape. Like, that's, that's you know, whether it be an individual or a certain mm -hmm. species, the aquarium that I used to work at had a big shark tank and they had four different designated areas that they would go to feed each of the species and each species had their own shape so like the sandbar sharks had like a little bow tie shape you put that in the water and the sandbars were like that's us and they would immediately go over and then you can feed them and it was great um okay so they can be trained but i think training them to I, there's just so many things with having a megalodon in captivity that made no sense like the idea that they're like Oh, if I get in the water, it's immediately going to try and eat me. And I'm like, that's no, it's in captivity. If you're feeding it correctly, it should not be hungry enough to try and eat the person that's feeding it. Right. Okay. Um, And then like training it like with a clicker doesn't, there's so many animals that like, that's not successful for. And you think that a, a prehistoric non-existent megalodon is, I don't, I like can't express why it doesn't make sense accurately but like it it doesn't make sense that's not something that we do no the, all of that makes like all of that works so okay a, a clicker's not going to work with the shark they're sight trained specifically it sounds like they're food like sight trained to, for food purposes yeah. we're like it sounds less like they're trained and more like they start to you teach them the same way that like animals learn certain areas are where food is going to be located like that's not training so much as like communicating exactly which seems like a, i mean it's two different things you're, you're basically teaching them like hey this is the think of this as your normal feeding ground versus trying to communicate a concept to an animal which is what training in the yeah. other way is with a clicker is like that's training a concept yeah it's like you're expecting and so just, that sounds like a behavioral thing from them like training yeah. a dolphin to like jump through a hoop or something but teaching a shark like this is like we're putting you on a schedule and they start to recognize that and recognize yeah a certain shape and associate it with food like that's it's a different thing like we call it target training because it is to a certain extent training but you're not really you're not expecting a behavioral thing other than i know that it's time to eat now and i think yeah. that i'm i'm not gonna say that i think a clicker could never work for a shark because i've never seen it even tried so like maybe it would but i can't imagine that it would be like a I don't know. It's just the idea of like, I'm going to jump in the water. And if I click this button, it's going to mean you shouldn't eat me. I'm like, well, it shouldn't want to eat you anyway, because that's not how sharks in captivity typically behave. I don't know. It's, there's so much wrong with it. 
Okay, so we're looking at sort of also the Jurassic Park issue of like, well, if you guys had had proper like zoo management, yeah. we wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. Yeah. We're dealing with something similar here with like, well, if the shark were on a proper feeding schedule and maybe had like the right stimulation, it wouldn't immediately go after. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, people yeah. ask all the time. Do sharks have particularly good hearing? Like, because that's the other question about the clicker was like, do they have good hearing? Do sharks? Because I always thought they use like electro senses and smell. I mean, they have all of their senses. They can hear, but it's not like the predominant sense that they're typically using, especially when it comes to feeding. Like they're going to be using smell and sight and electroreception is going to be like the main ones, you know. Um, I was thinking about the the when it escaped and I was thinking like, if this is supposedly a full grown Meg and it escaped now because like, oh, it's mating time. Why didn't it escape the year before? Because it got through that grate so easily. You know what I mean? Oh, it got through that. Eight. I mean, that grate was so easy. No, that's a great question. I Yeah, I mean, listen, in fairness, we don't know what the, the Meg's mating cycles are. So it could be that, you know, they only reach sexual maturity. They're a large animal. Maybe they only reach sexual maturity once every convenient to the plot years. Yes. <laughs> it's just like... I don't know I mean, <laughs> because it's, it was so, um, yeah. smaller than the other Megs that were around, but like yeah. maybe it wasn't fully grown until that year. I don't know. I have no idea, but I was like, I would have assumed that if that yeah. thing wanted to get out, if it were frustrated with being in a tank for the last 10 years or however long it's been in there, it would have gotten out because that grate didn't stand a chance. It rammed through it once, one time and it was gone. So I'm like, there's no way that like oh, eating yeah. season was the trigger for it to be like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, if it really wanted to, I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking more as like a person than a shark. But I'm like this. There's There was nothing holding no, that it, shark it, in, the, in, the, in the cage. It just finally got sick of the clicker training. It was like, fine, you can do the clicker training with me privately. But once you start showing <laughs> it off to Jonas and making me look like a chump in front of Jonas, I'm out. And that was the clicker training was like the hard yes, line for the shark. I love that. Actually. That's what it was. I'll take that, that logic yeah. because it fits in with the logic throughout the rest of the movie, which there isn't really so... There's none. And like, I, but the thing is, is there was nothing about this movie going in where I was like, this is going to be a movie that holds up to logic or reason. (laughs) So every time that the movie did something, I was like, okay, I'm good with this. Like, this makes no sense, but I'm good with it. Like, in what world does a Megalodon breach on the first five minutes, which like gives us this for no good reason, except for the drama, gives us this little prehistoric planet sort of side mission um, where we see the a dead, we see a, a large dead um, dinosaur and we see other dinosaurs eating it. And then a T-Rex comes along because you've got to have the T-Rex. And the T-Rex is eating and chasing other dinosaurs because that seems easier to it than eating the carcass on the shoreline. Let's not get into that detail. Um, and then the T-Rex gets eaten by a sh- megalodon that fully breaches itself onto land i would believe that the meg breached during feeding i i could believe that i mean white sharks do it like like great white they they do they like the same way that they beach themselves like no no no. like orcas do not beach oh oh no i sorry i meant beach because this one fully beaches itself like i know that they'll jump out of the water this one fully like gets into the shallows to the point where it's very clearly that's why i'm like i would believe that they breach there's no way that they beach themselves like that's not okay yeah there are sharks that like hunt closer to shore um and i understand that like 
the Meg is believed to have been a coastal species. So having it be close to shore makes sense. Being so close to shore that a 60 foot shark is in like, the thing that gets me is like, you don't see the shark, but the water is so <laughs> shallow and then it just appears. And I'm like, where, where did it come from? It just, it just like, I don't know, manifested in like from thin air. There was nothing there. There yeah. was no shark. You're in like a foot and a half of water. And then suddenly a 60 foot shark just appears out of nowhere and lands on the beach and eats a, sh- it eats a dinosaur. What? Yeah. <laughs> We call that tele. That's a teleportation. Um, that's just you know some animals in disaster movies have the ability to teleport, and it turns out that Megs do. I guess because also the other reason that Megs can teleport is because, as you and I both know, like there's about forty million years between when the dinosaurs die and when Megs appear. Yeah, yeah. Like there's Megs didn't overlap with the dinosaurs. That's a totally different issue. There's a but, million you know, issues, but it is what it is. <laughs> But the thing, does it change the fact this movie fucking ripped? No. Yeah. It did not. Like, it was a a fun monster movie, but you have to go into it with the mindset of none of this is going to make literally any sense whatsoever. And, like... Zero sense. I understand that there are people that go into these movies and are like, the Megalodon is still alive. And I'm like, no, it isn't. (laughs) That's why they're using it. In the same way that the dinosaurs, besides birds, don't come at me, Dustin, the dinosaurs went extinct, right? But we bring them back because we're like, here's a thing that doesn't exist anymore. What would it look like in our like crazy movie producer heads if it did still exist? That is the whole point, is that it's not here anymore. So I'm making it very clear to everyone in your audience, the Megalodon has been extinct for quite a long time. The only teeth we find of them are fossilized which means that the last individual had to have died so long ago that all the teeth are fossilized they're done they're gone that's because they're all down below the thermocline and as we've seen the thermocline is so far offshore we wouldn't have those fossil those teeth isn't jada come on this is science isn't the thermocline what they call the thermocline isn't it not actually a thermocline and it's a layer of sulfur i mean because they have these sulfur pools in the first movie they're like oh the sulfur yeah. pool, whatever. They went through a sulfur pool. So I'm like, the layer isn't necessarily just a thermocline. Like, it's a sulfur layer. Yeah, I mean, well, they the the science of the magic layer is equally as, as non-existent as any of the science behind the meg itself. Like, no, no, there's the, th- the whole concept of the thermocline. Like, we're, we're pretty sure there isn't a magical layer um, at the bottom of the, Mari- of the Marianas Trench that separates... Um, like water and actually below it there's totally different temperature and also no. there's prehistoric creatures like we're we're pretty we don't know listen a lot of the, a lot of the ocean's floor is unexplored still we're still pretty sure about basic principles of how the ocean works and so who know the 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 magic thermocline that like the sharks can't swim through unless it gets punctured by something because apparently it's just too thick i don't know man like it doesn't. There, that part never made any sense to me. It makes and zero I sense. I just want to make it. There's. I want to make it clear. There's no bottom of the ocean past the bottom of the ocean. Right. Like, the bottom's the bottom. That's it. Well, like beyond the bottom of the ocean is literally just the subduction zone where you just have a bunch of plate getting dragged down and scraped off and then you know melted. Right. So no, we have nothing below that. There's no more ocean. 
And I think it's really interesting that they're like, oh, a thermocline, but we've never seen it before because nothing penetrates it. And I'm like, we have thermoclines in like the normal ocean and our like our like seafloor mapping instruments can surp- like still go through that layer and recognize where the bottom of the ocean is. So like if that we all know that that's not a real yeah. thing, this whole thermocline idea that they have. But like if it were like we would still have been able to see past that. With the instruments that we have that we use to map the ocean floor anyway. Absolutely, yes. You would be able to penetrate the... Theoretically, you should be able to penetrate the thermocline with, like, just using the soundings alone. But, you know, again, science... But that wouldn't be as fun. Yeah, this is not a world in which science exists. And that's the first rule. And that's all that matters is science isn't real. And so... We end up with great sequences, like the everything that happens when they decide to dive down. Do you have a Meg tooth there? Is that what you're holding? Uh, yes, I'm. I'm holding a Meg tooth as we discuss this because this is because I have one. You I'm have like, one. Why not? Yeah, it's about five inches long. Yeah, yeah no, it's and it's it's, it's easily cool. like two thirds of your face. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like this is a bird beak. This is huge. It's huge. No, I know Meg teeth. Yeah. Like Meg teeth are are I I've. Other than seeing, I've never like, other than seeing them in museums, I'm just like, that's just, I can't, I can't process that. No. <laughs> I can't. But there's this, okay, so if you go to Moab, Utah, Utah, which is like where you go to arches and all that. Wait, have you been to the prehistoric zoo? No, wait. Have you been I to the prehistoric aquarium? I've, I've <gasps> been to Oh, you got Moab really excited. Times. Oh my God. Okay, so. In Moab, there is a dinosaur-like museum. Like they call, they advertise the prehistoric aquarium, and it just looks like it's gonna be super tourist trappy. It's one of the best muse- like not museums, but interactive spaces I've ever been in. They have this walking path with full-scale dinosaurs, not skeletons, but full-scale dinosaur models of dinosaurs that would have lived in the area at the time, which is really cool in and of itself. And so you can pose and play around them and stuff. Oh, cool, but. It's so cool. But if you've seen the photo of me like running from a diet, I, I, I post a few times and I use this my dating profile photo. I'm like running from a T-Rex <laughs> and it's I took that photo there because it's just like it's they have all these models of things. You can see them and then they talk about the what prehistoric Moab would look like. But they also have this 3D walkthrough fake aquarium. You put on 3D glasses, you go in and they walk you through and it's like you're in an aquarium and in each windowed room is a prehistoric fish of some sort. Wow. So you've got like the bone, what are they called? The bony fish. What are the bony fish ones? I can't remember their name. Dunkleosties. Yeah, they have Dunkleosties. So you can see all of it and you can see like the scale of them and all of that, which is so cool because you don't get that. No one ever creates full-scale models of fish in in exhibits. So it's different because you're not just looking at the bones. So that was really cool. And then at the end you go in and they have like a Meg room. And the megalodon, you know, is swimming by and you get the sense of it. And then, of course, because it's like geared towards they have a a little moment where like the meg attacks and breaks through and like breaks through the glass and we get splashed with water. And then they have to shut the whole thing down because the meg's breaking through. That's so funny. It's so great. But it's incredible because you get that sense of scale that we never get otherwise in in museums or sea creatures. Yeah. Maybe the best paleo exhibit I've maybe ever seen just based upon how like there were kids in there it was vibrant and you could really and because it was aquarium it was ocean-based you weren't just getting the greatest hits of paleontology you were getting the dunklosaur and like or whatever dunklia whatever it's called i just always (laughs) remember it as like dunkleosi i'm always just like it's the monster fish because it's horrifying um if you haven't ever seen what they are guys look it up they're terrifying um but yeah it's incredible 
<laughs> it's so cool. You if you if you go back to Moab and you see it, it's you're you're it's I think it's just called Moab dinosaurs, and it's gonna look like a tourist trap. It is a hundred percent worth the price of admission. Amazing. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that like, out. Especially again. just yeah. the prehistoric aquarium. Yeah. I there's also at uh the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, mm-hmm. there is a like full size like Meg model that's like hanging from the ceiling in the cafeteria. Yeah. Oh and wow. I love it. And they have a giant Meg jaw and I always take pictures like inside it. I just like have it. a random yeah. stranger. Yeah. And I'm like you in the doll, like, oh, fully stretched out. And I'm like, not even reaching. Yeah. How great, by the way, this is so jumping ahead, but how great was the Meg's eye, the mouth eye view during the during the fun island sequence when you, we just get a shot inside of the Meg's mouth of it eating people? That was one of my favorite moments. Wild. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty funny. I did a lot of laughing during oh, the yeah. movie, which I feel like a lot of I mean. I feel like you have to. This laugh. movie was like, intentionally funny. This movie was meant to be funny. There was no moment in this yes. movie was like, "This is serious," and why are you taking this not seriously? Yeah, like when yeah. the I know we're jumping around a little bit, but when yeah, that's fine. We can uh, jump around. When the blonde lady got yeah, whatever her name was, got like she was like, "Don't worry, this is Meg proof," and then she turns <laughs> around and the Meg just like just breaks through and chomps her so easily. I yeah. laughed so hard and everyone in the theater there were like five other people in the theater yeah. turned around and like looked at me and I was just like sorry like that was funny I don't know what you want me to it do it was so funny it was intended to be funny this is okay exactly. so that was the same problem I had with my audience because it's like look guys it's the middle of the day like I saw it on a Monday at two o'clock it was the 3D screening and I was like okay we're all in we all know what we're in for right like no one so- shows up to a 3D screening of the Meg 2 expecting it to be anything other than it is and no one laughed except for me and i was like come on guys what are we doing here this is hilarious like not even oh this is funny bad it was intentionally a funny movie right dj like dj being fully prepped out with a go bag for an emergency everything dj who like barely survived the first movie comes back in the second movie with a full mcm backpack leather backpack go bag having trained for exactly every scenario which one loved that as a character point very relatable as a character point and also hilarious i was so proud of him i was like he was so scared before and he's like hey man this is my line of work i like what i do i'm just gonna figure it out and get over it and he did and i was like wow character development look at this i was it was such a great bit of character development yeah that he he was like, he, I mean, he still wasn't good with any of this. He was not like, it's not, he never hits the point of Jonas where Jonas is like never phased by anything. DJ's right. a normal guy who's like, well, if I'm going to be in extraordinary circumstances, I'm not going to die. And I so appreciate that in a character. Yeah. How yeah. He's like, I know that I'm going to get myself into mo- the most ridiculous shit because this is the job that I'm in, which I don't know why he didn't quit after the first movie after he watched his like best friend die and then he almost died. And I was like, I would have been like, no, I think that I'll just be an accountant. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But he was like, no, I'm here. It is what it is. I'm just going to make sure I don't die. And it's yeah. fine. I learned how to fight. I will beat people up. I'm carrying. Well, okay. The scene where they're like, I'll pepper spray and then you run out and fight them. And I'm like, I didn't think about it either. And then when I watched what happened and then the guy ran straight into the pepper spray, I was like, mm. so he needs a bit more training because this was not 
No, his plan was really good. His plan was, I'm going to pepper spray them, close the door, wait a second, then you reopen the door and you run out. And he didn't listen to the plan. And then he got pepper sprayed. And that's what DJ's like, I told you to wait a second. Oh, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, DJ's plan was impeccable. And I have taken notes on it mentally to be like, okay, good to know that I can spray some with pepper spray, but then I got to close the door so I don't run out into the pepper spray cloud. Like DJ, DJ knew the sequence of events. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. No, he's got good training. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, he was prepared. Like, I I would have watched an entire, like, cut sequence. Like, you know the way, I don't know if you remember back in the early 2000s when there was a lot of TV shows doing, like, go to 24.com and see the cut and see the scenes of Chloe teaching Jack Bauer how to hack the internet. And it was always, like, sponsored content. But you would get the videos of, like, extra, you'd get, like, bonus scenes of the show. I would right. 100% take bonus scenes like sponsored content bonus scenes of DJ pre- learning and preparing how to become the man that he is now because yes I need to see DJ doing target practice because he was working a 50 caliber which is a very large gun like I want to see it all yeah I like I like a little you know with like Guardians of the Galaxy they have those little like Groot short yeah. film things that are like seven minutes long we need just like a small series of like five of yes. those of DJ being like today we're learning this and tomorrow we're learning target practice and the next day we're gonna learn martial arts and like just i think that that would be so meg funny. training with dj i yes i would love that hopefully yes. hopefully we'll get that as bonus features for the meg three because i apparently yes. we can will these sequels into existence just by speaking it out loud so exactly and this time i'll be in you're it. gonna be in it yes we're gonna just keep emphasizing this until this happens because you deserve to be exactly. in the meg three for sure manifestation yeah. you know what i am the meg <laughs> <laughs> cast me as the shark there you go in the third one it's just like there's a bunch of the megs in the thermo like down and below the thermocline and then it's just a giant jada swimming around because as we learned you can have lungs in the therm below the thermocline and be just fine yeah can we talk about this because what the fuck uh, like <laughs> so these little there's so many different things to talk about with lungs because there's both the the lizard things and i want to talk about jonas free diving yeah no what okay. Is- <laughs> okay. okay i can't um another quick note the fact that they had kelp forests down there and i was like you aren't there's no photosynthesis. There's no light. You can't. That doesn't exist. No. So that I no. was telling my other friends at Huey about that. And they were like, I am never watching this film. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And they're sitting directly next to hydrothermal vents. And I was like, yeah, non- nothing about this makes any sense. Um, but no, the lungs, especially with those little um, dinosaur looking guys. I feel like I can't call them dinosaurs because I think that their arms were, their limbs were to the side rather than right under them. Yeah, they they seemed like I lizards. was going to say, yeah, like lizard friends. Yeah, in that amorphous way. So I think they're supposed to be dinosaurs. I think that they're supposed to be dinosaurs in the vein of like Hollywood doesn't understand dinosaur morphology. So they're just going to create creepy looking yes. old lizards. They actually, like I would mentioned to you, they look like there's this movie 65 that came out in February or March. Um, I think it's on Netflix now and it's uh, Adam Driver finding dinosaurs. It's actually surprisingly good, but they do have these sort of like, we're not sure what kind of dinosaur they are and they're not really dinosaurs and they, yeah, have the, they don't have the body, the, um, 
their hip they joints. They look like synapsids. Yeah, they do. They look like synapsids or something that's like related to crocodilians or something. Yeah. Yeah. The body form it, it, it or it looks like honestly what it looks like is it looks like 1930s style stop motion graphics of dinosaurs like what we thought dinosaurs look like before we understood before the 1950s 60s 70s so like right yeah it's this very sort of b-movie creature feature vibe of a dinosaur doesn't matter so yeah these creatures these lizardy things uh show up in the beginning i yeah they they're i feel like that that whole first scene i was like why was this relevant and i think it was literally just to introduce those things. it was yeah um and then exactly and so then i was i uh, I have so many issues with these little guys and let me walk you through them. Yeah, please. So there's, there's the issue that they have, there's the issue that they have lungs and they're confined to quite literally the bottom of the ocean. So I don't, I don't understand how they're breathing. So maybe it's like they got, everyone's like, well, what if they just evolved differently and now they just don't have lungs anymore? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, then explain how when they got through the thermocline, they were on land, they could breathe perfectly fine. (laughs) They were, they were fine. That doesn't make any sense. Also, if they like the the evolution from like land back to sea is like we've seen it before. Yeah. And if we're going to use that as a model, which is what I'm doing, because that's what we've seen before yeah. is like you have like whales and dolphins, like they still have lungs. They still have to breathe air. Their nostrils, nares, whatever you want to call them, have moved up to the top so that they don't have to like put themselves in like weird orientations in the water to be able to breathe. But they can't they kept their lungs but got rid of the terrestrial body plan. Right. So now they ha- like don't have back legs. You know what I mean? They've got flippers instead of like arms. These little lizard dudes kept the fully terrestrial body plan, but somehow have evolved the ability to breathe underwater. And I'm like, I don't think that that's the order in which those would have evolved. No. Because it's not the order in which we've seen it evolve before. I don't understand. I don't get it. It, it was very frustrating to me. I thought that they kind of, in terms of body plan stuff, it reminded me a lot of like sea iguanas, like sea, like marine iguanas. That's the word I wanted. Right. In terms of how they tuck their arms under their, like morphology wise, they reminded me a lot of that. And so I kind of think that's what we are going off of and using like the way they use their tails to steer and shit like that. Yeah. I thought it was kind of like a marine iguana situation, but those still do need to be on land eventually. Like they do still need right, to like breathe Right. Like they air. still have to breathe. Yeah. Air. I don't under that. That's the part that bothered me. I'm like, yeah, like I, there are lizards that swim and that's totally fine. Even non, even like iguanas that aren't marine iguanas, like can still swim and like, that's fine. But having them evolve the ability to breathe underwater before they evolve like an aquatic body plan. I was like, like, what is happening? And also how do you, you're able to like breathe underwater because you can't make it back to the surface and then suddenly you're at the surface and you're like, air, sick, that works. And I'm like, why? I don't, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it, it made it, it made no sense, but it did lead to like the fact that they were amazing on land. Like I, I they were just straight up steal, stealing the, the raptors from Jurassic Park's vibe entirely by the time they got on land to Fun Island. And they were sort of just like these horrible lizard attack dogs. I was in didn't care yeah yeah made no sense i was i liked yeah i liked the vibe that they had on land yeah. where they're just like little goblins where they look they like honestly it was a cross between like jurassic park and the gremlins yeah that's that was the vibe that i got in my head right there was like a little bit of just sort of like nefarious chaos to them there was something about their their chaos that seemed yes. a little bit like they were enjoying it more than raptors do 
you got the sense of the that these that they've been waiting for their chance. Yeah, I think that I resonate with yeah. that. <laughs> I'm like, I enjoy the chaos and the mischief. Like that's my whole vibe. Genius little guys. When they showed up initially in the underwater sequence and just like came out of nowhere to attack, and I was like, Yeah, I'm in, man. Like, love these little love to see these guys. They're just going after everybody ferociously. Great. I love that vibe. But like when I first saw them show up and they were underwater, I literally just like my my jaw just like hit the floor and I looked at my friend Chase and he just started laughing because he was like, Jada is so irritated because like he's an engineer, but like I'm a biologist, but he understands biology enough to know when something's like really off. And so when I saw that, he was like, oh, Lord, Jada's (laughs) Jada's not she's having um, an aneurysm about this right now. I was like, this is not, I can't understand any of this. And I know the whole point is you go in and you're like, you have to know that this isn't going to be accurate, but they just kept finding new ways to surprise me for me to be like, why you just decided to throw out literally any semblance of science whatsoever. And you were like, that's new things, all of it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, is it's never like, I'm never mad when the movie is scientifically inaccurate. I am sometimes like amazed by how wrong they can get. That's what it is. That's the thing that I'm always like, Oh, what we're doing. That makes no sense. Right. And I'm, I'm, I'm writing like, cause I, I'm writing a disaster movie that I'm working on right now. And like, one of the things that is hardest is balancing that moment in my brain where I'm like, that's not how science works. And you kind of have to accept like this science is, science is not going to be as, as cinematic as one might hope. So let's bend some rules. Yeah. But I'm so curious with this of like, were they just like, fuck it. There's gonna be five people in the audience who think about the lung situation and we don't care about them. If so, respect, because that would have made, I would have struggled with yeah. that real hard. Um, as the Yeah, writer. no, that's, I think that's what it is, is like, I, as someone who literally like, like works with science, does science like for a living, it's always something that I'm thinking about. And then I go and I watch something like this and I'm like, I don't know, like, I'm a very creative person, but you have to be next level to be like, and come up with something completely asinine. This is what we've come up with. Like, <laughs> how did you do that? I don't, because my brain didn't, I can't. I just can't think that way because my brain is so rooted in science. And it's incredible to me that someone can go yeah. so far outside of science that it's like beyond the laws of physics at any point. Like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, there's a, you have, like, there, there has to be a level of like, unselfconsciousness about it which i really appreciate yeah like you're not second guessing yourself you're not questioning any of if someone's gonna go with you're not you just fully believe no the audience is gonna go with me and then they do or you, you know they send it yeah. yeah or at least like even if i'm not going with you i'm along for the ride already so i don't care i'm strapped in like this is it yeah yeah i do respect it i yeah is it frustrating as a scientist absolutely but i'm like you know that's my job is the science theirs is not their yeah. job is entertaining <laughs> what they've done is entertained so i gotta hand it to them absolutely yeah the uh so the the lizards i love the idea that like i love the description of those gremlins because you're right there there was something else about them that was very like they they were gremlin-y i'm so on board with that as a description yeah okay so can we so okay so they've gone down into the thermocline there's mining like we don't need to get into the actual plot of the movie like there's there's I actually like I liked it from the standpoint of what it was kind of trying to say but also who gives a shit the point wasn't the plot the point was that there were Megs and we're gonna see at some point we're gonna get to see him like punch a shark and that's all that we're here for right but before that happens 
Um, Jason Statham has done a dive with the rest of his crew down to the thermocline, found that they're come across mining. Mining blew up their ships and so they have to walk across the seafloor in their suits which is something that can be done and then they get into the space and then Jonas realizes that in order to get to the escape pods he needs to because of sabotage he needs to free swim from the escape pod area into a different area and he's not going to be crushed because he's going to fill his whole body with water and then he will have just like a swim a, a fish has a swim bladder he will equalize the pressure inside his body. Have you ever tried doing that, Jada? No, not at that depth. <laughs> like, well, no, no. I Filling my body with water? No. No. <laughs> I just, I don't, I feel like, honestly, I almost tuned that part out because I was just like, already? No. Like, I understand, like, the whole idea of equalizing. People go down to, like, some pretty crazy depths. You are at, quite literally, the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. You're at thousands of meters. You mean to tell me that you're that deep? No, no, no. Deeper because you're past the. Yeah, because you're below. And like deeper than that. They they give the. And your body is just like, but like that much pressure, regardless of if you equalize, like that's, that's insanity. There are animals that live down at the bottom that when you bring them to the top, they turn to melted ice cream because they can't handle the pressure difference. And we are assuming that, I mean, I guess if anyone can, it's going to be Jason Statham, but we're assuming that us as people will be essentially unaffected just because we were able to equalize. Like I, I, I don't think that's how that works. Yeah. I mean, like I just, this is one of those physics things that like I can't process as a concept because in my head, I'm just like, how do you, I don't, I, I understand logically that things can live at that depth, but I'm also like, but how do you swim through anything with that much like water pressure around you? And that's just I'm like, that just doesn't make sense to me. And then yes, you bring a blob fish up to the surface and it looks like Ted Cruz. <laughs> yes. Accurate description. Yeah. That. Yeah. No. Have you ever seen a photo of the two of them side by side? It's very similar. It's uncanny. When Ted Cruz is frowning, he looks like a blobfish on the surface. That's rude it's, to the blobfish, honestly. Well, it's rude to the blobfish that they are named the blobfish because of the fact that they of what we've seen them look like on the surface. Like, that's yeah, not fair. They look totally normal. They're a species of sculpin and they look totally normal at the bottom of the ocean. That's the thing. I mean, that would be like taking me into a like into Arkansas and then being like, well, this is what she looks like all the time. It's like, no, this is what I look like in Arkansas. This is very different. This is <laughs> this is not my natural environment. How different do you look in Arkansas than in LA? Uh, I actually do look tremendously. I went once and the humidity was so bad that like, oh, and that's yeah. I, I, I went see. in like August and I was not prepared by my boyfriend at the time for any of it. And so I just had like normal human clothes and then he wanted to go hiking and so I had to wear jeans because it's all I had on me. And so I went hiking in Arkansas in August in jeans. I I'm glad you're not with that person because clearly he was not preparing you for that's you no. no. That was a red flag. He was like, Oh, we're gonna go hiking, but she's only got jeans. She'll be fine. No. Everything about that relationship was a red flag. His inability to plan in basic ways was just like a light pink flag comparatively. So we're not yes. Yeah, it was no, I feel that there was nothing but. Um, but yeah, so the blobfish at the surface. Like, let's not judge the blobfish for that. And I, I justice for the blobfish, truly. Exactly. Yeah. They're so cute. I know. I did. But yeah. I was, yeah, I was thinking about like when I, we see all these things on the surface, I did, I do always think of like, well, it's like the blobfish though. Exactly. Like the Meg, the Meg was suited for that depth, not for fun island depths. Right. The octopus. 
yeah the octopus because it was an octopus it wasn't a squid it, correct correct yeah it, which so like which i can't i don't know the difference of the stink what I, I feel like squids are krakens like yeah. octopus aren't krakens right i think it's, that, always, yeah. it's only every squid. time you see a kraken it's depicted more as a squid i kind of liked the right. octopus though um i loved the octopus squids get i wanted bigger. more octopus yeah squids get bigger than octopuses the plural is octopuses octopi is acceptable octopodes or octopodes don't because i'm no it's too much you're doing too much octopodes is technically correct don't you start with me jada octopodes is tech just like platypodes is technically correct i can accept octopodes i can't accept when people pronounce it octopodes oh that's ridiculous no octopodes like that's so just no who does that i that's not even related to the word at that point that say that and i'm like uh we don't need no we'll never say this word out loud to each other again because we're gonna start a fight anyway I liked the idea of having an octopus as as a kraken just because like yeah I feel like octos don't get enough credit for how cool they are right and like I feel like as a kraken everyone's like oh squid like so awesome and like squids are awesome like totally not not taking away from that but like octos just they're so unbelievably intelligent and like mobile yeah and like I just I think that just I'm not saying that I think that the depiction of all of it was accurate, but I think that it was cool to see a kraken as an octopus rather than a squid. Like, I just thought that that was really awesome. Yeah. I'm, so the thing for me is that, like, I agree like uh, that. My problem was that we didn't get enough octopus being an octopus because octopus are so cool and they're terrifying and they are so smart. And so, like, this is an yes. octopus that could have laid traps. And this was sort of like a blunt force octopus, which I, I appreciate the chaos of. But I would have loved to have seen, like, a more tactical octopus, for sure. Because I agree, for I sure. I feel like it kind of just showed up as bonus chaos versus being, like, an actual secondary antagonist, you know? Like, we never... That's exactly yeah. what it was. It definitely was not a secondary antagonist. They were like, what if we threw in another creature? I don't know. What should we do? A kraken. Those are octopuses, right? And then they just went with it yeah. rather than checking. Like, that's what it felt Absolutely like. what it felt like. And, like, I, again, what, not upset that we didn't get more, but would have loved to see it. Because I don't know this movie could have supported that much more with additionally three megs and then the little land critters. Um, yeah, it was this... That was like my biggest complaint about this movie besides all of the inaccuracies, but we all know that that was the whole point of the movie anyway, so it is what it is. I think that it just felt like it was all over the place. Like even the plot was just kind of like, there's too many villains. And then it was like, there's too many antagonists of like the animals. And then it was like, here's a Meg, but it's the one that we like. Also, there's three other ones. Oh, also, there's these little land dudes who lived at the bottom of the ocean, but now they don't. And also an octopus. And I'm like, okay, I understand it's a monster movie. I understand it's supposed to be goofy and like a lot. But like, this is doing entirely too much. Like, there's too many things. And that's a lot coming from me because my brain can't focus (laughs) on one thing for more than 0.2 seconds. So I was like, I need a movie to be like some kind of cohesive thing. But it was just like, let's put all these completely separate dangers everywhere like just because we can and i'm like this doesn't really feel like a meg movie anymore it just feels like a crazy ocean creatures movie which like that's fine but like it's not 
the Meg. Yeah, you know? I did like I do definitely agree on that point. It felt like the Meg in the first Meg was much more central of like the driving factor of the whole film. Like the Meg was the constant antagonist yeah. and there was that was all that we had versus here. It felt more like the Meg were things to be avo- that they were trying to avoid. Which like is a weird yeah. difference because it means that the Megs didn't get like I think of, you know, other shark movies where we get really like to know the personality of the sharks, you know, with Deep Blue Sea, like you get a sense of, you know, these sharks have have personalities and with Jaws, obviously, like the shark has is a presence and a personality. And with the Meg, yeah. I, I, the one the Meg too, the thing that I really struggled with most was the feeling of like where has the Meg gone or any of the Megs? And also what's their goal here? Like, what are we dealing with versus this was much more these guys, like it felt much more like we were trying to accomplish other things in this. Like so much of this movie was about the corporate subterfuge and the whole, like the evil, like the, the, the plot ostensible plot of this movie is that like the evil lady billionaire who is, funding the meg operation the meg research center and all of the offshore diving has been doing this separately also to mine for rare earth elements on the ocean floor which not gonna lie hits very close to home with the disaster movie i've been writing and so i was like well i'm on the right path but also this is not not similar to my plot um (laughs) fine whatever this movie's never gonna get made anyway um but yeah so there's like this whole the whole middle of the movie is essentially Jonas and company trying to survive people trying to kill them not sharks trying to kill them but people trying to kill them and that's yeah I feel like that makes it it's sort of like the problem with the lost world where like uh, your problem is the dinosaurs but the dinosaurs are sort of ancillary to the people causing the problems here versus Jurassic Park the first yeah. one yeah where once Nedry shuts down the systems, the antagonists of the movie are truly the dinosaurs. And I feel like that shift happened here too, yeah. which it makes sense. Like you need to do that to give the, to make it not feel repetitive and to have new set pieces and everything. But I did, I missed, I missed the sense that the Megs yeah. were pre- like, there were moments where I forgot that the Megs were loose kind of thing, you know? And I, I don't feel like in the Meg too. Exactly. Yeah, I don't feel like in the Meg 2, you should ever feel like the, the sharks are loose. You should forget the sharks are loose, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of a lot of moments where I was like, I haven't seen a shark on screen in like 20 minutes. Yeah. And I feel like that's not supposed to happen in a movie that's like literally titled The Meg, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I feel like in the first movie, it was like, the Meg is the villain. And it was just like a, oh, we accidentally let it out. That wasn't really anyone's fault. We didn't mm-hmm. know. But this one was like, these are the bad guys. They're people. And they let this happen, which then made a different bad thing happen. And it was almost like it was just, it was just the result of someone else doing something bad rather than, oh my gosh, I can't believe this crazy thing is happening. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the Megs weren't the central idea of, oh my gosh, this crazy thing now like i don't know it just yeah they they weren't the focus as much as they should have been and i also understand the shift of like let's place like this villain energy on a different entity so that it doesn't feel repetitive but like then dinosaurs like you were saying in the lost world are still like the a main part you never forget that there are dinosaurs but with the meg it was like you kind of forgot that there are three megs loose at some point and i'm just like oh well 
I don't know. Like, I guess when, when the, uh, the thermocline broke and it was like all this explosion was just like allowing, just like maintained this like broken thermocline. It like then like panned out and was like, Oh, the Meg's going to swim through. This is going to be crazy. And then you see a tentacle. And I was like, that's so random. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a great additional creature. Yeah. Just like more chaos. But I was like, okay. I don't know. It's just, it's so much. It, no, I get it. Like there's, it's, it, it is a, it is, a, it becomes incredibly messy plot wise. I sort of don't care only because after a certain point, I was just like, I, it, I don't know about, I loved the cast was so fun to hang out with the like core crew yeah. of Jonas and like the sassy lady with the earrings and the, um, his friend whose name what was his name. Juming. So he's, um, he is Mayung's uncle. Uh-huh. And he's like and Juming is also Jonas's like by the end of it, I just let like I'm like, this is a movie about Mayung getting two dads. Like that's That's exactly what it was. This is Mayung's two dads movie. And so like they're all so fun to hang out with and they're also I'm like, whatever, I don't care. I'll I'll go with them. None of this makes sense. And like I keep forgetting there are Megs and the Megs don't feel particularly like a threat. Yeah. But I'm good with it. I because you want to hang out with these people so much, but yeah, you're it's in a movie called The Meg 2. The Megs were not particularly like I don't feel like we ever got a good sense of even what like what the different Megs were. Like No. Some, you it was know, just you, like there were three of them. And it was even hard for me to identify like I feel like they tried to add in the bit of like oh you got to know one of the sharks because it was the one that was in captivity but even then it was like showing all the megs and i was like i don't even know which one it is there's no personality to any of that's what i'm saying that's the thing like there was no distinguishing feature it wasn't even like the one that was in captivity i was like well she's the one who's got the chip on her and so i can like see on her fin that there's a thing like there's a tracker or anything there was nothing distinguishing to separate them so they just kind of like these three large shark models that yeah I never even really got a sense of how big they were, which is the bummer. Like you want you want that overhead shot of like the three megs swimming underneath a bunch of really tiny people in like floaties, right? You want that moment where you get the sense of I feel like we got that a little bit. I feel like we got that a little bit during the scene where it was um, Jonas is on the jet ski. Oh, yeah. The jet ski sequence. Yeah. Which that was a fun sequence. (laughs) Jet ski was incredible. Jet ski was fucking brilliant there's um the part there's a there's a a made for tv movie called dino shark um and in it i can't remember which like tv actor it is if there's some 90s tv actor who i'm its name is blank i'm blanking on it right now um and the climactic moment involves him on a jet ski jumping up into the air off of the jet ski in order to launch like explosives directly into said dino shark's mouth (laughs) And it's it's magnificent. That feels like the same energy um, as Jonas. It's on the a jet same energy as being yeah. like, let me throw these harpoons, like the explosive harpoons. Yeah, the because they have explosives on them. That because he's unrigged explosives and reattached them to 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 rods essentially. Yes. And then there was like the part where then the guy that's trying to kill him like knocks the last harpoon out of his hand, so he can't kill the last shark. But then here was the thing that mm-hmm. killed me was when he did kill the last shark and it like jumped up to them like breach and land on top of him and he was just holding yeah. the full weight of this shark on the end of a uh, of a 
wooden stick and I was like yeah what <laughs> in what world yeah like, no he's he's that strong that he can support the entire weight of a meg of head a meg. directly on one steel pole yeah I thought it was on wood it wasn't even on no steel. no those were on like the I think those were on like metal pipes that he cut I don't think they were I think oh, they were metal pipes it kind of doesn't matter ultimately I thought it was wood just because they were yeah I thought that it was wood just because they were on the the dock which then that's a whole other thing of like it was very much he was giving very hungry hungry hippos just indiscriminately chomping at anything as he's like running oh, on yeah. the dock and it's like chomp 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 like just and it's just ripping up the dock behind him yeah right I was like what nutritional value are you getting from all of this wood sir I don't because you're not eating it. that's the thing the 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 great like in any disaster movie involving a giant animal or any animal, the they are not motivated by food. They're motivated by consumption. And those are two different things. Because, like, yes. if that there's so many sequences where, like, you know, the dinosaur or the whatever, the giant bear gets stabbed in the side or, like, severely injured in a way that it would immediately recoil and run off. And instead, it just makes them angrier. And likewise, like, as we see with the Megs, the Megs will attack anything that has light and continue to do so even after they realize it's not food. Yes. Like they attack this, they they attack the submersibles. And as we know from like how sharks actually behave, they do it, they'll do like a test bite to see if it's food. Exactly. And then they'll realize it's not food and then they'll stop. Right. Because if you had your eyes closed and someone put something in your mouth and you were hungry, you'd take a bite and then you'd be like, well, that's not food. That's a stick. Exactly. And you'd stop eating it. But that's not how animals work in these exactly, movies. and that's just a fun thing we love about them is that they just want to destroy. Yeah, and so my I was sitting in the theater, and my friend Chase leaned over and goes, "This is like a shark chasing one sardine," and you can quote me on that. And I was <laughs> like, "Yeah, it's like it's like as a human, you're running like a four hundred yeah. meter, and then at the end you get a skittle, and that's how you get all of your sustenance. That's the logic behind like, yeah. these giant animals, like the Meg in these movies." And I'm like. That's so not, that's not sustainable. You can't sustain a shark on two humans after swimming a mile. That's not how that works. No, I will. That's why they went specifically to tourist traps. Cause they're like, we have to get a, we have to get a, a king size bag of Skittles. To get a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You get like going to that, that fun Island, which I did watching it. I was like, that does look like a place I would maybe want to spend one day. It looks like a fun Island. It does. Until it doesn't. It does look like a fun island. It's got a little bit of... Yeah. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a Margaritaville vibe that I wasn't digging. Like, there were... Yeah. But I was into... I was into... It looked like a nice place to be. And I wanted to be out on that little pontoon drinking um, until, of course, the shark showed up and then the octopus showed up. I was at least, I was like, well, that was smart of them to to efficiently go to a, a spot, what they saw as a spawning ground. Exactly. Um, a, a little human spawning human ground. Human spawning ground. This is where I'm going to get all of my sex. I took notes while watching this movie and my friends were making fun of me the entire time. But I was like, otherwise I'm going to forget things because my brain lets go of information yeah. so quickly. But like, yeah, one of the notes that I had that I just thought of again was that they're wearing like electric, like metal suits when they're down there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're like, we got to be really quiet so we don't draw on the megs. And I'm like, they have electro reception. That's going to draw them in more than literally anything else would. Yeah, yeah. And I just it, well, I was the, thinking about that and I was like, no. The Megs operate under the same rules as the T-Rexes in Jurassic Park. 
of the, if you don't move, they can't see you variety. Like that's really what it comes to. Exactly. That's the Meg rule. I mean, it's, it makes no sense. And yes, they are, they are tiny little balls of electricity walking along the bottom. That would definitely intrigue the shark way more than anything else. But you know, the Meg rules mean that those, they can't, they don't know. They can't see you. So it doesn't count. There's no lights. And as we all know, sharks are very light driven. Exactly. Sharks, sharks hunt entirely by, by looking for light. Oh, yeah. And no. literally nothing else. They don't use their Never. noses. They don't use electroception. Oh my God. I can't. If it isn't clear to the audience, this is completely joke. I'm completely sarcastic. Right. So like, and these, the Megs operate under rules, which we cannot hold any other sharks to is I think the, the... all of these. Yeah. Yeah. Everything in this movie is held to uh, it's, it's like, I kind of, in order to truly enjoy it, sometimes I feel like I have to just put myself in the realm of, like, I'm in a multiverse. And this movie is a real story on a completely different planet where none of the science is the same. Yeah. Like, that's what I have to tell myself. Otherwise, yeah. I'm like, I can't, because all of it's so inaccurate. And this is, like, this is like my dad watching cop movies. He's like, that's <laughs> not how that works. And I'm like, okay, but it's fine. And this is why my friends don't want to watch shark movies with me. Cause I'm like, well, that's not accurate because the Meg has 10 gills with and they would only have five. And, meh, 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 meh. <laughs> and I have to just get myself out of that head space in order oh, to wait. be like, yeah, this was a fun movie. Like I have movies. to ask, how do we know how many gill slits a prehistoric shark would have given that we don't have any bodies of sharks? Now I have to ask, like, uh, how? Yeah. So that is a really good question. So there are I there's one group of sharks um that is currently like ex- extant that has more than five gill slits. All the other sharks have five gill slits. The cow sharks do not. So it's the six gill, which has six gills, the seven gill, which has seven gills, and the frilled shark, which has six gills. Um it was believed for a long time that the Meg was in the same genus as the white shark. That has since changed. However, I, from my understanding, they're still, they're closer related to like white sharks than they would have been to like cow sharks. So the idea is that they probably would have had five gills. However, I also recognize that a long time ago, like conditions of, I don't know, oxygen or whatever. I don't think they were like unbelievably different when the meg was in existence but we know that like the atmosphere in the ocean has changed so much over the course of earth's history so i guess since i i'm not like a geneticist i'm not a paleo person i'm not the type of person i'm I'm not the scientist that's going through and trying to figure out all these details about things that we can never find and see um but i would assume that based on genetics and relation to extant sharks chances are they probably would have had five gills with. Okay, so what we're saying, so so almost all sharks have those, five, except for like the exceptions that you've just listed. Right. They all have it, so we can kind of assume that they previously had that as well. Yeah, it's. I feel okay. like it's kind of similar things that we do with, um, with dinosaurs. Of like, well, we don't have this information, which in dinosaurs, we have actually a lot more information because mo- more of them fossilizes, so we're able to get a lot right. more from that. Um, but- sharks are boneless fish they have no bones the only thing that not the only thing but the most the thing that most often fossilizes is their teeth and their jaws because it's calcified cartilage and like enamel and all that stuff 
sometimes if you get them in the right conditions, you can get like a full specimen, which is why sometimes we see like, there's examples of like the anvil shark, which is another prehistoric one that was like imprinted in like rocks and stuff. Like you can see like the whole body shape. Um, That's not a common thing to find though for sharks because they're made out of cartilage. But what we do with dinosaurs is, you know, we look at the skeletons that we find and we're like, okay, let's compare those to extant uh, animals that we have now, like birds, because birds are dinosaurs. And so you, you know, make those comparisons. And that's kind of how you're able to figure out certain things of like, it probably looked like XYZ, because these birds have XYZ. And so we're able to kind of do the same thing with sharks. And I think it might even be a little bit easier, just well, not, maybe not easier. I think there's a benefit in that a lot of these sharks went, or I guess the Meg at least, went extinct closer in time to us than the dinosaurs did yeah so looking back at something from 65 million years ago rather than like three million years ago like those those are two very different things but um yeah being able to look at the sharks that we have now and being like what do you guys look like what would your prehistoric relatives potentially look like is kind of how we're able to determine some of those things and that's also how we're able to get size estimates for sharks so we have size estimates for like the megalodon being like i think it's like somewhere between like 60 and 80 feet, 80 being like the definitely like upper limit. Um, I think it actually, I know that they used to have an estimate that was larger than what we currently think that it was. And I Mm -hmm. think that 80 might've been outside of the range that we currently think is. I'm not totally sure I'd have to search that again, but looking at the size of their teeth and looking at like, what is the largest meg tooth we've ever found, which now recently they found a new one. It used to be about seven inches. Now it's about 10 inches was the biggest one we've ever found, which is oh my ridiculous. But looking at the size of a meg tooth and then comparing it to like a great white shark or a bull shark or something, yeah. looking at the size of their teeth. You can compare the proportions. Exactly. And so we kind of do the same thing with other prehistoric sharks. Got it. Okay. That Thank you. Because that actually, like, I've always been kind of like, it never occurred to me that sharks would have uniform like obviously it makes sense that there would be like a most efficient number of gills it just never do fish sorry just to you know totally sidebar off of the meg too entirely do fish have the same five gills or do fish have fewer gills fish have like gill gill rakers within you know like they have an operculum which is like a like a bone plate i guess i think i'm really bad at bony fish i think yeah yeah oh okay so it's gonna be completely so it's different. like a one yeah. gill opening um, and all the gills are like within that, whereas sharks have like gill slits. Oh, okay. So there's, it's like, it's, it's almost like fish have like one big gill slit, but the way they move them is a little bit different and everything because they've got like yeah. bone and like different musculature. So it's like a whole different thing, but they've got basically essentially one gill slit, um, whereas sharks have five. Okay, great. Thank you for answering all of the gill questions. Yeah. I didn't know I had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, getting off of the sharks for a second of it, I got a sidebar to how great Mei Ying so continues cute. to be. Like, Mei Ying was adorable in the first movie. Mei Ying's so great in this one. I love that she sneaks, like, obviously she's going to sneak yeah. onto the boat again. Like, Mei Ying never not sneaking into places. But when at the end, she's just like her little hero self. Yeah. I was just like, what a cute, and like, what a cute preteen who feels like a preteen. Exactly. And she's like, she's so powerful. She's like what every... Yeah, she's like what every little kid wants to be of like, I want to be the hero and like, I want to be like an independent person. And like, I don't know. I just, I love this idea that she was like, I will do what you ask me to do 
to a certain extent, when I feel that something else needs to be done, I will use my best judgment and I will go do that thing. So she's out there helping people. This woman's like stranded in the water and everyone's just like reaching for her, but like they're nowhere near her and they're not going to help her. She's like, I'm going to go help this lady. Yeah. And then the the rest of the crew is like, why aren't you in the watchtower? She's like, I had to save the dog. And I'm like, yes, same. Yes. Just I her character was amazing and I love her so much. I'm like, ah, I just want to give you a hug. <laughs> so great. Right. Like the thing is, is that she's not bratty. She's not like sulking about the fact she's like, OK, yeah, you that's the rule you set. OK, I'm going to tell you I'm going to obey it and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and then I'm going to not listen to you. And that's just what it's going to be. And I loved I like she was such a great disaster child. And it's so rare we get a really good disaster child who's not like precocious. Yeah, she just was. She just existed. And it was so great. I loved her so much. Yeah, I, I'm so glad she got two dads at the end of this because she deserves it. I know. And I love that she's not like a like you were saying, she's not bratty and she's not like blatantly defying just to be like, I don't yeah. agree so i'm gonna disrespect you like she was very respectful to all of her like well all the people that deserved to be respected and who were like her guardians essentially she was like yeah yeah like i'm gonna listen to you but i we don't always see things the same and that's okay so i'm gonna do what i see fit and i think that it was really cool that they were able to give her that element without it being like disrespectful of like oh I'm yeah. a bratty kid and like I don't feel like listening to you because like you just don't understand me and that's fine like that's that has its yeah. place there was no you don't understand there was no like I'm not a baby anymore yeah. I I love her character like you know how like a lot of time it's like oh you treat me like a kid still and it's like yeah I love that she never once was like stop treating me like a kid dad you know that I or Jonas because she's called yeah. dad but she's like there's none of that there's no sense of like this is any I'm being treated in a way that I feel I have outgrown, which is the one that really gets frustrating. Like that's always when it's when the character is most annoying is when they're like, I'm a teenager now. It's like, yeah, you're still your, your frontal cortex isn't still fully developed. Like you're not you're not equipped to make decisions here, kid. I'm 25. I became fully developed about two weeks ago. Like and you mean to tell me that you think a 14 year old has like <laughs> the best decision making? Like, no, of course not. And it's like she recognizes that too. Like she knows that she doesn't know best, but she also like Jonas is going to do the best to protect her. And maybe that's not always the best for the situation as a whole. And I love that she can recognize that. Exactly. I love that there's that, they do a really nice job of just like setting up this sort of implicit trust between them that they know, like she never questions. There's never a sense of like, well, you don't have what's best in heart at my heart for me or you're treating me in a way that isn't appropriate for my age. It's just that, you know, sometimes the situation changes and she's ready to adapt to the rules that Jonas didn't anticipate, you know, other than other than visiting. And to be fair, when she sneaks into the submersible, like every dive has been safe. She packed an equipment. She packed an extra suit just in case. Like she did do. She came with she came with facts. He yeah. was like, well, we don't have enough enough like safety suits and she was like yeah we do i packed an extra one he's like this could be dangerous she's like you've done this 20 times and it's never been a problem everything's gonna be fine like the chances of something going bad are so low of course it's a disaster movie so of course that one time is the time that something goes incredibly wrong but she had everything in mind she had thought through all of it she was so smart about it and jonas was like damn all right you i you got me like i 
sure, we're going on this mission. It is what it is at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if it were so dangerous, like, then they wouldn't send both of her dads down on the dives. Like, if it were so dangerous. That's so true. Yeah. If it were so dangerous that, like, she couldn't be there, you would think they would have some sort of, you know, chain of custody situation. Like, who's going to take care of her if both of the dads die? Yeah, they're not sending down both of her legal guardians without, like, and then what happens with both, if one or both of them dies, and then she's just, like, this 14-year-old that's, like, guess I'm an orphan again. Like, that's... Yeah, she just gets, is the custody of the of the station. Like, she's the custody of the entire research <laughs> station at that point. DJ is her dad. Like, that's just... Yes. Yeah, they don't, there's no chain of custody. They're just like, well, you just live here now. It's like when, you know, a cat shows up at your office and it becomes the office cat. And the cat doesn't go home with anyone. It's just everybody's cat. It's just the office cat. That would be what would happen to Mei Ying. Yeah, Mei Ying would turn into the office cat if both of her dads died. (laughs) The idea of DJ being her, like, new adoptive dad is so funny to me, though. Because I'm like, he's got his shit together and he's figured out life more to a certain extent. I don't think that man understands how to take care of children. <laughs> he barely knew how to take care of himself in the first movie. He's just figured that part yeah. out. You're going to drop a 14-year-old in his lap? God, that'd be so funny. That child would be, she would be ready for every, he would be like, okay, we're going to start disaster training immediately. Yeah. But she would be, have absolutely, he would also be like, and here's, uh, what do what do kids eat? And then he'd just like give her mac and cheese. What do, what do youth, he just doesn't know how to ch- take care of a child. Like that aspect of it. Yeah. Love DJ. DJ, DJ, DJ. What a guy. I had a thought. I don't remember what it was, but he is amazing. I think that it would be really funny. Oh, that's what it was. We need another mini series of him training to be able to defeat the Meg and like, you know, prepare himself for these disaster situations. We need another mini series of DJ babysitting Megan. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, we're going down on a submission. You take care of the child for the next <laughs> two days. And he's like, why? How? I don't understand. This is, you just gave me a child and said, keep it alive. Like, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a lot of dino nuggets and mac and cheese. And full disclosure, as a 25 year old, I still eat that because that shit slaps. Um, but I think that that would be a really entertaining mini-series to see DJ try and figure out how to care for a child. Absolutely. I'm so on board with that. I'm so on board with DJ just ending up like have, being the the new surprise disaster dad in the whole situation. I'm on board with that. Yes. That's a- disaster daddy. Oh, I regret that. He's a disaster dad. <laughs> so is there anything else? I feel like we've covered a lot. Um, is there anything else about the Meg that you want to t- touch on before or the Meg 2 before we move on to the what is this movie really about? Um, This movie was ridiculous. It was goofy. Mm-hmm. It was scientifically inaccurate. And honestly, those are the things that make the best disaster and monster movies. So I can't. I can't rag on it too. That's a lie. I can and will continue to rag on it as much as possible. Yeah. But like, it's a fun monster movie. Like, you know, love it for what it is. And that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, I walked out of that movie and I was like, that's the stupidest movie I'm going to see all year. And that's the best time I've had at a movie. Like, yeah, I had a great time seeing Barbie. I did not leave Barbie being like, that's what cinema is for. No, I left Barbie like thinking thoughts. And this I was just like the spectacle of cinema. Yeah. I was so I think in. That, yeah. Yeah. There's a place I loved Barbie. Um, I I wasn't oh, yeah. expecting to have an existential crisis after that movie. And yet there I was walking back to the car being like, what is life? Why am I a woman? Yeah. Um, And then, but this movie is just one where you're like, I'm really tired 
I've had a hard week and I think I'm ready to lose a couple brain cells. And then you go and watch that movie. And you know what? That is the perfect role for this movie yeah. to play. It's like, it's not something, it's it's the perfect movie to watch if you're like, I just need to like veg out and do nothing and not have thoughts. Or my five-year-old nephew wants to watch a scary movie, let's put it on the Meg. You know, perfect. that's kind of, that's those are the two like perfect times to watch this movie. And I was in the middle of like, I'm super stressed about a paper that's due in a couple days, which I submitted, hooray. And I was like, okay, but I'm going to go watch this movie with my friends. And I was like, I left my paper about sharks to go watch a movie about sharks. Two very different experiences. One of them is like science, science, science. And then I go to this movie and I was like, no thoughts. They're speechless. No, nothing. And it was like, I was like, I think that's exactly what my brain it needed a true brain break and this movie gave me a brain break because there was there were no thoughts zero <laughs> thoughts no thoughts just chomp that's it <laughs> <laughs> no thoughts just chomp is yes maybe the greatest sentence i've ever heard thank you for, i'm i'm hold on i'm writing that down <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> that's that's incredible and that is truly that's that's the vibe of the entire movie it is it is it's a perfect summer like what a perfect summer movie that was i yeah, yeah. Just turn off the brain when you just need to be somewhere where there's air conditioning and you want to make yourself sick off of candy. This is the perfect companion for that. Perfect. Yes. And you don't have to have seen the Meg one. Like, no, they they set up that they all know each other. But having barely remembered anything from the first Meg, it didn't matter. No, it didn't. You could you needed nothing. You needed no continuity. No, there's really none. And then it's like they have that one scene where they're like remembering the woman that died, I don't remember her name. And then they just like move on. And like, that's really the only connection that and the fact that DJ was like, I don't know how to do things. And now he's like, now I do know how to do things. Yeah. But even if you didn't watch the first one, it's just like, this guy just knows how to do things. And like, it's just they're really there. There's no need to watch the first one if you don't want to. I like the first one more, though. Um. Uh, well, so like the thing that's interesting, is, at least with like DJ's thing, he says very explicitly, when you guys asked me to come back, I started prepping. Oh, yeah. Like, so, yeah, he does, like, make it really... They explain why he can do all those things. So at least that's the other... You don't even need to have seen the first Meg because we understand the concept of if somebody's back for a sequel and they haven't prepared themselves to be in this situation, having experienced... Like, for a movie that's fucking bananas, DJ's reaction is the most realistic thing in any disaster movie I have ever seen. Yeah. Because, like, every time I watch a disaster movie, I'm like, maybe I should learn how to survive those situations. I just watched Night of the Comet, and I was like, maybe I should learn how to ride ride a motorcycle, because that seems like a thing that's very effective for a disaster. So the fact that somebody who experienced a -a once-in-a-lifetime disaster of being attacked by the Meg, the fact that he was like, no, we're going back to look at it again, I'm not going to be caught off guard this time. Exactly. Grounded and believable and brilliant. I love it. Uh, um, yeah I was also going to say my undergrad university we used to have like a in the summertime or in the springtime we would have a a pool movie night where they would put on like a huge oh, nice. screen they would yeah. almost always play Jaws I think that the Meg or the Meg 2 would be a great movie to watch just like sitting in your little floaty with your friends just like in the pool yeah. and like I just it it seems like the that Meg kind Two would of be a perfect. Fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I I think the Meg Two in a floaty with like a daiquiri, perfect afternoon, perfect evening. Yes, a yeah. daiquiri. It's mm-hmm. literally like 
three thirty, and I'm like, can I have a daiquiri already? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I you know it's a Sunday. Time doesn't matter. It, that's the thing. Like Sundays are daiquiri time. Yeah, alcoholic or not. If you just want to have a blended strawberry fruit drink, like that works too. Daiquiri days doesn't have to have alcohol in it. Just midday on a on an August, it's it's exactly. daiquiri time. Fully agree. Yeah, yeah. I I honestly like the proliferation of juice restaurants without adding in like a true blended strawberry iced beverage is a real bummer yeah. for me personally. I, a nice strawberry smoothie. See, every smoothie place has like banana-based smoothies. And you don't need that for a fucking daiquiri. Yes. You don't need banana in it. And I'm allergic to bananas, so I don't want them. Strawberry banana smoothies are banana right. smoothies. Banana takes over the entire flavor profile. I don't want banana. I want strawberry. Exactly. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Banana takes over. It's too much. I don't like bananas. I don't like the texture. I don't like the taste. I don't like it that it's actually. <laughs> so none of it. I just, I'm not a banana girly. We are anti-banana as far as I'm concerned on this pod. That's the official stance of Disaster Girls is yes. anti-banana at this point. Anti-banana. All right. So I think that if we're into the uh, digression about daiquiris and bananas and, and smoothies, that probably means we've covered everything that I can think of with the Meg too. So Jada, do you have a what this movie is really about? Do you think this movie was about more than just giant sharks? So I remember in the first one, I talked about how the first Meg movie felt like like nature coming back and being like you don't fucked me over and now you about to find out yeah right i think that this one because the movie is just so different and there's so much i feel like less of a focus i guess on the meg specifically it's more of just nonsense yeah. i feel like this movie is poking fun at the people who will only pick and choose when they want to listen to science mm -hmm. you know what i mean because people are like there are a lot of people that are like yes i believe all these things that science has told me and then when science is like this giant shark has been dead for a very long time there are people that are like no i stink i, I think it's still out there and i don't okay. believe you and i'm like okay this movie is making fun <laughs> of you this movie is like, let me show you how absolutely ridiculous that sounds. Let me push it to a point where you have to be like, none of this makes sense. And then it's kind of like, do a little introspection and be like, oh, right. So when I told you that I think that the Meg is still alive, that doesn't make sense because of all of the things that science has been continually telling you every single time you ask me if the Meg is real. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's that question is one of my biggest pet peeves. It's one thing if you're like, how do we know that the Meg is dead? It's another thing if you ask me, do you think the Meg is still alive? And when I give you all the reasons why I say no, and you say, well, I still think it's out there. I'm like, yeah, I, it's like, I literally, I, it's like, I punched you in the face with facts and you said that I didn't <laughs> feel anything. I'm like, no, you did because I just punched you. What are you talking about? So I feel like this movie is just, it's it's just shitting on people who who like to cherry pick what science they think is useful and what science they think is meaningful and what science they think is true. Science is telling you what the truth is and you're deciding which ones you want to say, yes, I believe this and no, I don't believe this. Um, and that's something that I always find very frustrating. Um, science is science, whether you like it or not. And I'm so sorry to burst your bubble. You, I'm so sorry to burst your thermocline. I don't know, but 
the Meg is dead. It's been dead for a long time. It's gone. I sometimes wish it was still around. Like, I don't yeah. blame you for wishing that that was still around. But all of the evidence is telling us it's no longer around and it hasn't been for a long time. So that's... Sorry. <laughs> That's what it is. I think I, I think that's a very I think that's a very fair analysis of the film. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. No, it, it's mine is going to be um, less science based, more uh, emotion based. I think this movie is about the importance of found family, whether that be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whether it be as humans who, you know, your work family becomes your your family family or your random guy who your mom hired becomes your adoptive dad like it's obviously about the importance of found family and also for the meg as well like the meg you know we see the the poor imprisoned shark who breaks free to go find their meg friends and like gets to live the life that it wanted and you know not be clicker trained by a dude and swim free and i think even though all of the megs not all of because obviously only three two two break loose from the thermocline then we've got the extra bonus one but if there's two in the thermocline Mm -hmm. there's got to be more you know there has to be so yeah it's about i think the importance of of finding finding people who you can be safe and protected and make good choices with and or at least when you make bad choices they'll be there to have your back on it which you know we see time and time again with that group of people that they're even when they make bad choices they all are able to kind of make sure that they can compensate for each other. And likewise, the, you know, the the captive shark didn't fall in with other sharks that made good choices. And yeah. so unfortunately, that shark, she did have to experience the consequences um, until the end when she was fortunately saved by clicker training. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is a found family movie, as so many disaster movies often are. I love that messaging so much and I feel like what you pulled from this movie was a lot more positive than what I pulled and I think it's because we were looking at this movie too through two very different lenses and you know what that's okay that's that's it and that's the wonder of what is this really about because that's how you know that what is this really about is completely based upon bullshitting and projecting onto it whatever you happen to see I don't think either are wrong I think this is all I think your 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 description of it being a movie about um being unwilling to like about like the uh, uh science being real whether you like it or not just as valid as found family because i don't think that when they set out to make the meg 2 they thought that either of those things were actually themes because yeah. if this were a movie that concerned itself with themes it would not be the meg 2 no it wouldn't um no, yeah would and be. i think that even if it's nonsense Art is art. And art is subjective, oftentimes. And you get out of it what you want to get out of it or what you need to get out of it. And I think that what I got out of it, I I got what I got out of it because that is such like a lived experience of mine of as a scientist and a science communicator interacting with people who a lot of the times people will take what you say and be like, oh, this is new information. This is really interesting. Thank you for for teaching me something new today. But then a lot of people will try and fight you on the things that you literally Mm -hmm. have or are getting a degree in. And that's something that I've always found very frustrating. Um, And it happens a lot and it is what it is. But as that is my lived experience, I then tend to project that onto a movie that I know is supposed to be ridiculous. But I know that going into this movie, I have another friend who was like, 
I don't want to see this movie because I know someone is going to go into that movie believing that this is that that this could happen. Um, and I I I don't want people to believe that that could happen because it can't. Um, and so I think that that's just that's why I got out of this movie what I got out of it is because that has been my lived experience and discussing things like this with so many different people before and hopefully they listen to you and sometimes they don't and when they don't it's like well I've done what I can do and you can make your own decisions I guess um and sometimes that's really frustrating and so watching an inaccurate movie sometimes makes me feel frustrated in a similar way but I also know that like it's goofy and it's fun like just enjoy it for being absolutely ridiculous and unhinged <laughs> well that's that's always like the the sort of the tension of these sorts of like any disaster movie or any of these movies where you're just like when you know the science behind it is that you have to kind of be like okay this is going to be something that people start to believe Ugh, god this is gonna make the rest of my outside life so much more difficult while also being incredibly interesting yeah exactly 100%, like that's the same like i can't tell you how many times i've had conversations with people about whether or not quartz has different powers than citrine even though they're chemically identical and most citrine on the market is just quartz that's or quartz that's been put into like high heat conditions like an oven essentially so yeah and then you sit there and you have those conversations and sometimes people listen and then sometimes people are like that's interesting but that's not how i feel so i'm not going to believe it because it doesn't feel real to me and so you know yeah yeah and like even after the first meg came out i started getting so many questions about the megalodon some of them were totally like oh i'm really interested in this like can you tell me more about this prehistoric shark and i was like sure i'll make an animal fact video about it and it was fun yeah but then i got a lot of questions that were like the meg's totally still out there and i was like that's not a question yeah what okay that's what you believe like i'm not gonna change your mind i already know like coming into this conversation if you come to me with that energy like i know that i'm not going to change your mind i'm going to tell you facts about the meg and then you're going to move on believing the same thing that you just did and so and like it is what it is and as a science communicator you do your best but like that's i think that's why i got this out of the second movie because that was even though that's not what i got out of the first movie that's what i got after the first movie you know after having all of these people ask me about the meg and so going into the the second one, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get so many questions about the Megalodon over the next couple months. So, yeah, I think that's why I was like, it was a fun movie. I am excited to field actual questions about it. I'm not excited to field frustrated people who wish the Meg was still alive trying to tell me that I'm wrong about something that I'm getting a degree in. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a perfectly reasonable, like, split of emotions to have about this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, it's a new release. I, I can completely see as in terms of like the fantasy casting component, I could imagine a world in which this is a 1970s movie. Um, But I don't need to fantasy cast this one because I loved this group of people so much. I loved everybody in it. I had an aspirational crush on the lady with all the ear piercings. I was just like, man, I wish I were that cool of a person. I was like, I just want to be that cool. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, like, did was there anything where, like, man, other than casting yourself, obviously, which this was missing, Jada, was there, would would you make any changes to the cast? Would you yeah. remake it? How are you feeling on that point? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I wouldn't really change the cast. Maybe, like, yeah. 
toss Zendaya in there because she's amazing and everything. And like, that's really it though. Just because I like Zendaya and I'm like, I want to see her on screen. That's it. Otherwise, I'm like, uh. I thought that the cast was good. You know what was really funny? I noticed while I was in there, the blonde girl who was like, don't worry, this is Meg proof. And she turned out to be like a double crosser, like villain type of girl. Oh my God. What was she on? She was on Disney Channel. I think oh, she was okay. in the show yeah. Ant Farm with like China Ann McLean. I used to watch that show. And so I was like, I know her from somewhere. Like her her voice. I'm pretty sure she played a girl called Lexi. Um, but I was like watching <laughs> it and I was like, this girl was on Animal not Animal Planet, Disney Channel. Like, Animal Planet. I don't know where that came from out of my brain. I was like, this girl was legit on Disney Channel. Like that's so random. You went yeah. from Disney Channel to the Meg 2. And like what a weird jump. I'm sure she's been in other things. I yeah. haven't seen them, but I was like, this is I'm, so I'm trying odd. to find her now. Um, so that's uh, only tangentially related. No, but like that's that that makes a lot of sense. And also, but like... I think it would be... No, I was like, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Oh, she was also on Wizards of Waverly Place. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was she in Ant Farm, though? Um, I'm checking now. I don't... I think I've got the... Yeah, this is her. Skylar Samuels. I think this is her. Uh, let's see. Wizard of Waverly Place. She was Gigi, which I recall nothing. Oh, I remember. I don't that. think she was on Ant Farm. She was on really. Yeah, she was in The Stepfather. She was on the ABC show The Gates, The Nine Lives of Chloe King. Yeah, I think this is her. What's her name? Yeah, no, she's Jess. Okay, so it is her. Um, she was in The Duff. Oh, um, her name is Skylar Samuels. Yeah, Lexi is played by someone else. But they got they gave similar vibes. But yes. yeah, yeah, there can be. And she doesn't not have. She didn't not have a Disney Channel actress. She was still on Disney her, so. Channel. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. Her act like her her everything was a little bit a little bit bigger, a little broader, a little bit more Disney Channel villain. Yeah, yeah. I think it would yeah. be really no, funny to put like a lot of like old Disney Channel actors and actresses. So like. Get like Emily Osment from Hannah Montana. Get Miley Cyrus. Put like this girl and like literally just like anyone else that's ever been on Disney Channel. Just, just put them in a Disney full Disney Channel cast. I think it would be yeah. so entertaining. Not because I think that they're all terrible actors. Maybe some of them are, but a lot of like Disney Channel actors and actresses went on to be like really good, like actors yeah. and actresses in other things. Um. And I just think that it would be really interesting to see even the ones who have been like out of practice and like maybe haven't really been on uh, Disney Channel. Like one of the girls yeah, bring from, them back from Wizards of Waverly Place uh, who played Harper. She's a nurse now. Good for her. Yeah. So she was like on the front lines of COVID and everything like she's she's out here doing it. And I'm like, girl, we love this for you. I want to see her and like Bridget Mendler and a bunch of like the ones that aren't really in the spotlight anymore. I want to see them in a disaster movie. Bridget Mendler is a great name drop right there. Yeah, we do. Bridget Mendler's got great disaster her. movie energy too. She would be, she could do it. She'd be so good. Mm -hmm. She'd be so good. She'd be good. Yeah. She, she would be good in it for sure. I, I, I like this. I like this idea. I'm on board. David Henry. What else is he up to? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, Jason Earls. From oh, Hill my Montana God. Too? Jason Earls. Please. Yeah. Please. David Henry has a kid now. I I think that many of them do because they're all like adults. They're fully fucking adults Yeah, I was now. like, no, they're all older than me. They're all like in their 30s. So that yeah. checks out. Yeah. They're all just like real people living lives. I'm glad to hear that the girl played Harper like went and found a real career because that was. Yeah. Yeah. I, that that if, was going to be a tough road for her otherwise. If if question for you. 
if it wasn't Jason Statham, what Disney Channel actor would we put in his place? Oh, my God. That's a great question. What Disney Channel actor? I mean, it's tough because it's funny when you think about the Disney Channel, like who came out of the Disney Channel. It's all the girls. Like the biggest would have been the Jonas Brothers would have been the biggest like boy component. And none of the Jonas Brothers are suited for this at all. Um, I feel like it would end up being like Greg Sulkin or something. And Greg Sulkin cannot punch a shark. There's no one. The thing is, there's no one. No, he's too soft. He's so cute. He's too soft. There's no one from the Disney Channel who's capable of punching a shark. Like, no, there are Nickelodeon Channel actors who could. That was the Nickelodeon Channel vibe is could punch a shark if needed. Yeah. Disney Channel, not prepared to punch sharks. They were not. They, they were not equipped for that. Oh, my God. Um, Jeanette McCurdy could be. She could be the one that played What's Her Face in the first movie with the short hair. Oh, yeah. I feel like she could play her. She would uh, She would be. She could also play um the cool one with all the yeah. earrings now. Oh, my God. She could totally do that. The guy from iCarly. I think that it would be just a completely different movie. Um, Jerry Trainer, I think putting him. Oh my god, would be so funny. Just chaos, like a, a whole See, new level. Of Miranda chaos. Cosgrove could punch a shark, though. I could follow Miranda Cosgrove as Jonas. Yes, she would more she than would him. Have so like, much more emotion though. Like she'd punch a shark and then be like, "Oh my god, that hurt so much!" But she did it. You know what I mean? Like the <laughs> job was accomplished. But then, like off camera, yeah. she's like, "Ouch!" You know? Yeah. Okay. Fair. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, I like this. Disney okay. Channel. I like this child, former child actor, Disney Channel, the Meg yes. too. The, as as a as a Disney Channel original. Yeah. Throw in. We throw love in a Macaulay Deacon. Culkin for fun too. Why not? <laughs> but any of the Culkin brothers. There's like seventeen apparently. I know. <laughs> All right, so Jada, out of five Towering Infernos, and you can give partial Infernos, how many Towering Infernos are you giving the Meg to? And keep well, in mind, this has nothing for, to do with the accuracy. I this is say, just based upon your accuracy. enjoyment. I, yeah, I was going to say, obviously for accuracy, we're giving it a zero, like a negative right. five. Um, but for, for entertainment purposes, I'll give it a solid 4.2 because I laughed so much at it Mm -hmm. i laughed at the parts that you were supposed to laugh at i laughed at the parts that maybe you weren't supposed to laugh at i laughed at all of it and it was just it was a fun experience watching it in the theater with my friends because it was me and two of my friends and then there were a total of like 10 of us in the theater so like it was like empty um at one point my friend was sitting in a really weird position and so uh, I was like, Gabby, what are you doing? And so I tried to take a photo of her and my flash went off and I felt so bad. But just the whole ambiance of like small movie theater, we have popcorn, we snuck in snacks for legal reasons. That's a joke. Um, <laughs> and, you know, just watching a funny, ridiculous, unhinged movie while I should have been being productive. Like, all of that, the experience was like, yeah, I'll give it a 4.2. I thought it was very fun. Um, so if you don't want to watch it in theaters, rent it at home and like, yeah, just be goblins and, and watch the Meg 2. It'll be on streaming soon enough and it'll be worth it. Like it didn't need, I saw it in 3D. It did not need to be seen in 3D. It was unnecessary. I didn't see it in 3D. Yeah. It was not like it, it didn't, it was kind of cool looking. It didn't add anything to it. It just like made 
the film yeah. have more depth, but I I don't think it would have made it. I it would not have lessened yeah. my enjoyment to see it in flat in two D. It's on streaming. You'll have a great time. Yeah, I'm giving it a yeah. four point. I'm giving it a four. It was way better than it needed to be. I enjoyed it so much more than the first Meg. At a great fucking time, like no complaints. This movie was exactly what it needed to be and didn't yeah. try to do anything more. And I would, I would absolutely watch it multiple more times. Half watching it while on my phone, swiping on dating apps. Like that's right. Exactly. What would I watch it again? Sure. Would I pay fifteen dollars to watch it again? No. No. Um, I didn't really want to pay fifteen dollars to watch it. Well, because I knew. I I think that like coming out of the movie, I was like, I can't believe I just paid fifteen dollars to watch yeah. this. But like, I don't know. It's a it's a fun movie. Watch it when it comes out on a streaming service. Rent it for a couple dollars. Like, it's a fun time to just be like, yeah. it's a it's a fun time to see how creative people can get with their inaccuracies. Like, that's the part that I think is really entertaining. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. before I send you on your way, anything that you want to promote? Uh, where can we find you? Tell us about Miss Elasmo. Tell us all the things. Amazing. Yes. Um, you can find me on TikTok and Twitter and Blue Sky, if you're on Blue Sky, at Sophistication. Um, Instagram and threads is Sophistication underscore. Sophistication was already taken. Um, for my nonprofit, Miss Minorities and Shark Sciences, you can find our website is MissElasmo.org. Um, on socials, we're Miss underscore Elasmo. We are an organization dedicated to supporting women and gender minorities of color in the field of shark science, um, providing opportunities that are funded so that our members aren't having to pay to do these experiences, especially because it's like, well, I'm doing research for you. Why would I pay you to do the work for you? That doesn't make sense. So we want to make sure that we're being able to, we're, we're giving people experiences that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise been able to afford to get um, in order to further their careers. And it's been going really well. Um, we've been at it for just over three years now at this point, which is wild. We founded in unbelievable. Uh, June of 2020. I know. Um, but we're kicking. If you'd like to donate, if you're feeling generous, check out our website. We have a donation link there. Um, we always have like fundraisers and donation links open. Um, and yeah, check out our content. Support us. Support me and my science communication goals on all the socials. And Thank you for being amazing and sharktastic people. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being an amazing and sharktastic person yourself, Jada. And thanks for coming thank back you. for the Meg too. I'm so glad we got to do this. Of course. Thank you so much. It was a hoot and a half to talk about it. Uh, so yeah, thanks for having me. And it's always nice to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you too. Because No Thoughts Just Chomp was so deeply iconic, I had to put that onto a t-shirt. So... <laughs> Come on, you know, graphic design is my passion. So there is a No Thoughts Just Chomp shirt, mug, and water bottle. We'll see if I feel like throwing it on some other stuff too. All available now on disastergirls.myshopify.com. And profits from the sale of any of those products will go directly to MISS, to Minorities and Shark Sciences. You can also, if you want to make a donation to them, you can find them at MissElasmo.org. That's M-I-S-S-E-L-A. SMO.org. That's Minorities in Shark Sciences. Um, and we are very grateful. I am very grateful that Jada took the time to watch this extremely silly movie with me, which you guys should watch too.
And next week's episode, I will be joined by Adam Amin, who is a Fox play-by-play broadcaster for all of the sports in particular. Of course, I like him on baseball, but he does. he's also the voice of the Chicago Bulls um, and a delightful human. We will be talking about speed and how ridiculously attractive um, Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves are. So you can check that out next week. In the meantime, I'm Amanda Smith Says on Twitter. I'm Amanda Smith on Blue Sky as well. We are disaster underscore pod on Twitter, disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Oh, I forgot. Got a new review. This is a four-star review from Drano55. Headline is, stop talking about politics. Fantastic podcast, but it drops down to a four-star because they talk about politics. Please let us just enjoy the movie and podcast for entertainment seek. Well, Drano55, I appreciate that feedback, and I do appreciate you taking the time. Um, But unfortunately, no, I will not be stop talking about politics. Um, It's a major part of the podcast, and it's a big part of why I created the whole what is this really about, because there's always a political subtext if you look hard enough. Um, I hope that you will continue to listen in spite of the fact that I have opinions on things other than disaster movies. Anyway, if you want to leave a five-star rating and review, please do. It is appreciated. Four stars are appreciated as well. I just might not agree with them as much. And one last thing, I do want to give a quick shout out to my dad, who has officially started listening to the podcast. Um, Dad, I love you. I apologize for how much I swear on here. See you guys all back next week for Speed. Speed.